listening to Four Point Stance Women's Tackle Football Talk on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, ton of other places. If you want to access the show from any of your favorite podcasts, go to anchor.fm slash the number four PT stance. If it is not on there, your favorite podcast location, please request it and Anchor will get that set up. You can also get it on Mixcloud. Because I, I learned that you can actually pause the show and not go back to it when you need to. You can look it all up in the search bar, Four Point Stance or Coach Ash. That's probably the easiest way instead of me spelling out the URL every time. You can go to Twitter and get on the official Twitter feed and join the forum ev- after every time the show is posted. The number four underscore PT underscore stance. Or you can just contact, follow me directly, W34VI1. You can go on Yelfi as well, the number 4 PT Stance, or W34VI1. And you can even get to the show on Facebook through the production page, the W34VI1 Productions Facebook page. And as a reminder, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline available 24-7 every day, the, every day no matter what, 1-800-273-8255. So, I apologize for the delay. Um, the <laughs> had a health situation yesterday. To be honest, it was my back. My back decided to take me out. Um, today's not much better, but at least it's I can sit in a chair and would work. Didn't have that luxury yesterday. Um, before I really get started, I want to thank the one individual who has contributed to the show. Um, the show is being brought to you by Monique. Um, she's in Southern California. That's as far as I'll go for you. But thanks to her, you know, and, and for those of you that may not understand, you can go on Anchor and you can do monthly donations. Um, you know, I get probably, I think, 95% of the money, which is closer than what I would have had before. And, uh... But it's one of those things, if you don't want to go through Anchor and you just want to donate directly, you can contact me and I can get you the PayPal or the Google Wallet uh, link, and you can donate from there. If you want to remain anonymous, that's cool too. Um, you know, if you want to say, hey, I want to send something, you know, that'll work too. We can, we can work it all out, and uh, yeah. So, again... Thank you, uh, Monique, for your donation to the show, and uh, I'm sure all of you can thank her too, because that that does go a long way. You don't realize that it does go a long way, and I'm not one to beg for money, so <laughs> says a lot. Anyway, to go ahead and get right into this, we had quite a few games over the weekend. It was kind of a surprise how this ended up playing out. Um, some games were total shockers, some were not. Um, and then others were like, ooh, man, it really, that's the score? Starting out with Guam League. They didn't have any live streams this time around. I'm not sure why. I know that somebody on their social media page is kind of getting on their case about it. But uh, they were courteous enough to at least get scores out. So, Island Stunners took on the Sindelu Raiders. That one seemed like it was a very close game from what I can judge. Um... It probably was very close down to the wire, to, like all the way till the end. Island Stunners did win twenty six to sixteen. 
And then Team Legacy were taking on the Steel Blazing Saints. Now, initially, I thought Steel Blazing Saints might have been the team that could have given, you know, Island Stunners give Legacy a hard time, but I thought, you know, the Saints could give Legacy a hard time. They did, but it's not exactly ideal. Legacy did win 28 to nothing. Before I jump into the WFA's scores, um, I did notice in the news that New York Sharks owner, and technically she still classifies as the owner because the New York Sharks are no more. Um, you may know now as the New York Wolves, but it is a different ownership. Uh, Andrea Douglas has a book out called Black and Blue, Love, Sports, and the Art of Empowerment. Um, I'm going to try to get my hands on it because it's like, I have Dr. Welter's book and it would be nice to get my hands on this to see how this one goes. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we have another women's tackle football book out in the mainstream and, uh, that's available through NewYorkSharksFootball.com. That website's still up and running for sure. And, uh, you can access that. It's got a review from Billie Jean King, um, because I'm sure some of you don't realize that Ms. Douglas is part of the Women's Gridiron Foundation, so that does really play out quite a bit. So, we got another book to get into. On the WFA scores, to segue a little bit, we had four forfeits. Um, two of them, okay, to be honest, I knew about three. I was surprised on the fourth one, because it came out afterwards, but... Um, it is what it is. You know, the fact that we made it this far into the season before forfeits really started showing up. Um, it does change how some of these playoffs run. I know on Division 2, that really changes the playoffs with Seattle forfeiting. But uh, I'll get to that at a different time. DC Divas took on the Pittsburgh Passion. This game was constantly back and forth, down to the wire. And I know by now everybody has seen the video of the Hail Mary pass with 14 seconds left. The DC made was at least 60 yards to win the game 26-21. to Now I've told you in the past, something about DC, Pittsburgh, and Boston always seems to be weird. Although Pittsburgh is labeled a Division II team, I don't think that is a fair assessment for them, even though this year this has probably been the most accurate. But something about when they play D.C. or Boston, it ends up being a very interesting game. This was no different. Um, I think for D.C., you know, and I will go more in detail on this looking ahead, you know, they actually do go into a bye week, so that does play out a little bit. Um Obviously, they got a lot to unpack from this. Why did Pittsburgh Passion hold them to such a score? And why did it take a Hail Mary at the end? Um, you know, it, it says a lot about D.C. Maybe they're not quite as strong, but at the same time, they do have a very interesting setup over there. And, you know, going forward with the remaining four weeks of the season, regular season... It'll be interesting to see how this plays out for them and the matchups. Obviously, they have a guaranteed playoff spot being a Division One, and there's only seven teams with six spots. Um, but even then, that's gonna somebody's gonna have a heartbreak in this, and I'm not gonna be. I know a lot of people aren't gonna be happy. I'm not happy with how it's set up, but that's also based off of the Mazzies anyway. But 
you know, it's just a matter of will DC be the one seed or the two seed. Right now, they're sitting the two seed on the East. Baltimore Nighthawks took on the Boston Renegades. Yeah, it didn't quite go the way Baltimore wanted. Um, Boston ended up running away with it 68 to nothing. They do see each other in two weeks, so it'll be very interesting. Actually, in three weeks, excuse me, because they're on a bye week this week. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that rematch plays out, and maybe Baltimore can come back. But, uh, you know, this was one of those games that... This is actually the first shutout Boston has done all season, which says a lot about Boston, because they're usually used to doing a lot more than that. More Usually most of their season ends up being shutouts, so... It's very interesting to see this is the first of the season and it took till week seven, but we will see from there how that plays out for the rest of the season. The main mayhem at Philadelphia Phantoms. I was actually monitoring this game from Twitter while I was at practice. Um, <laughs> that was the funny thing about it is because that was what kept popping up and this game was really down to the wire quite a bit until the second half. Philadelphia did win 14 to nothing, but this game was down to the wire. It took quite a while before both of these teams could get a score. This does even up the Philadelphia Phantoms' record to 3-3, three and three, but they've still got two more games, Boston and the Wolves, and that's not going to play out well for them. Now, with Maine Mayhem, yes, this wasn't ideal for them. It did give them another loss. They still kept it close, and with the exception of the knockout game from... Last week, every single one of their games have been close. So, Maine Mayhem is a much better team than their record suggests. It's just, they're just not able to get enough points to win. Richmond Black Widows took on the Western Connecticut Hawks. This was another one of those nail-biting down-to-the-wire games, constantly going back and forth. Richmond did win 22-18. to which, I'm not going to lie, I had a feeling was going to happen because Richmond hasn't been happy with their season, and Western Connecticut, you know, might not have prepared for this Richmond team. But, that doesn't mean both of these teams are still not relatively good for what they are capable of doing. Cleveland Fusion took on the Columbus Comets. Not going to lie, in the past, Cleveland would have won this one, but Columbus came out on top 28-12. to and I'm quite impressed with how this came out. You know, that puts Columbus at 5-1. and one. Not saying that Columbus doesn't have difficult games coming up. But, uh, you know, Cleveland is 2-4. and four. It's been a while since I've seen the, the numbers flipped on them. So, this will be very interesting going forward to see, you know, how this rivalry really plays out in the future. Detroit Dark Angels took on the Capital City Savages. Detroit ended up winning that one 45-7. Um, Detroit's got something going for them and, you know, more power to them. They are hanging on and taking it over. They're still undefeated. You know, they've got still Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and the Comets coming up. So it's going to be very interesting for them to finish out. Capital City... You know, at least they have Grand Rapids and they got Toledo coming up, so this is going to be a very interesting finish for them. But, hey, they scored seven points against a pretty strong Detroit team. Cincinnati Sizzle took on the Columbus Vanguards. I don't know what's going on with Cincinnati. Um, 
to be honest. I don't know if it's low numbers or what. Um, they're only one in five now, where the vanguards are. If I can click on it, four and one. So it's very interesting to see how the tides are shifting. But uh, Columbus did win this one 40 to nothing. So it's very interesting to see how this moves forward for them. South Carolina smash at Knoxville Lightning. This game was actually delayed for a little bit due to uh, weather. Um, yeah, obviously, there's a lot going on in that area um, the last couple days. I know that like in the Oklahoma area, there was a tornado that touched down in the Kansas area, actually, as Cali War was on their way to Kansas City. So, you know, very interesting stuff. But uh, Knoxville had to see a, a little bit of a delay because it was at Knoxville. But the delay didn't really help them. South Carolina did win 40 to nothing. But it did take quite a bit until it happened. Before scores came in. It was almost like second half. My, If I recall what I saw from social media. Before points really started coming on, on the board. Music City Misfits took on the Derby City Dynamite. This is actually a lot closer game than I would have thought. But... At the same time, this was kind of a matchup that I wasn't sure who was going to win. Derby City did come out on top 28 to nothing. Um, that puts Derby City at 4 and 2, whereas Music City now sits at 5 and 1. So, this is Music City's first loss of the season. I'm sure they're not happy, especially considering it was a blowout. But remember I said that they only had Technically, three games under their belt because the other two were forfeits. So that does kind of did work out in Derby City's advantage. Orlando Anarchy took on Daytona Wave Runners. Orlando seventy eight, Daytona nothing. Wish I could say any more on that, but I don't know. Miami Fury took on the Tampa Bay Inferno. The Inferno did win that one, forty one to nothing. Which tells me that the Orlando-Tampa Bay rematch is going to be one heck of a game. Wisconsin Dragons took on the Grand Rapids Tidal Waves. This one was a very, very interesting score. High-scoring game, too. Wisconsin did win 72-20. to Yes, you heard me right, 72-20. to And uh, beyond that, I'm not sure. Obviously, Wisconsin's doing quite well. They have lost... You know, to Minnesota and whatnot, but Grand Rapids, I, I don't know. I really don't know what's going on, but, uh, you know, hang in there, Grand Rapids. The season's coming to an end. You can assess it. You you can keep going. Do what you can. Just don't let the season get you down. It it sucks. I, I understand. Katie on Zydeco took on the Mississippi Panthers. We had a repeat from the last time these two saw each other. Uh, identical scores, too. Mississippi ended up winning 50-6, to like the first time they saw each other. So, you know, obviously the Panthers got something going on. And uh, the battle for the Mississippi is going to be a very interesting match, rematch when that comes in later this season. Mississippi Royalty took on the Tulsa Threat. This one was another one of those high-scoring games. Mississippi, The Royalty ended up winning 62-27. to you know, Tulsa is a better team than a lot of people think, but, uh, you know, you're going against a tough royalty team, so, yeah, 62-27 royalty. Dallas Elite took on the Austin Outlaws. Dallas ended up winning that one 27-6. to 
Arlington at Arkansas did not happen. We know that because Arkansas had to call the season, so Arlington gets the 2-0 victory. Comal County at Houston Power. As I said, this one was one of those matches I couldn't determine because technically these two should have saw each other earlier in the season. They didn't. Um, something's going on at Comal County. I'm not sure what. The fact that they have yet to win a game, but they are in the Texas area, so that is a little tough. Uh, Houston Power ended up winning this game 16-6, to so very interesting setup. Seattle Spartans at Oregon didn't happen. Seattle had forfeited to Oregon, so they got the 2-0. And as I said before, in the bylaws, it says that any team that forfeits automatically loses their rights to playoffs. Well, that opens up a seed in uh, Division Two, and I'll get to that as soon as I'm done going over the WFA scores. The Southern Oregon Lady Gates at Tacoma Trauma didn't happen. Tacoma forfeited to Southern Oregon, so Southern Oregon gets the two points for that. Utah Blitz took on the Rocky Mountain Thundercats. I'd hoped this would have been a closer game. Maybe this could have been Utah's chance. Unfortunately, I was wrong. Rocky Mountain ended up winning 40 to nothing. Mile High Blaze took on La Moita de la Cruces. Unsurprisingly, Mile High ended up winning 56 to nothing. Phoenix Phantoms took on the Kern County Crusaders. This game was definitely close within a possession. Um Honestly, I thought Kern County had this one because they were just constantly steamrolling through. But Phoenix hand hand Kern County their first loss, twelve to six. This is going to be a very interesting setup from the Southern California area, especially with Kern County, to see how they really take off in the future. Phoenix, though, you know they got a victory here, so that they know how to win. It's just, this was definitely a close game, and it'll be interesting going forward for the remaining of the season how this plays out for them. Nevada Storm took on the Sin City Trojans. This would have been the hardest game Nevada Storm played so far, and it really acted like that. Nevada did win 28-12, but Sin City did give them one hell of a fight, and I think Nevada obviously looking into their season. You know, they've got... Kern County, which isn't going to be easy. And then they got Cali. This is going to be a very interesting uh, setup for them. Sin City, they're not, you know, they're going to get pretty well on them. This is two losses in a row, but they're still 4-2. and two. You know, they got Rio Grande and Utah left. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how these two play out their season. Cali War took on the Kansas City Titans at Kansas City. This is by far, and I know some people are going to find this funny, this is by far the closest game Cali's had, probably in a long time, but definitely this season. Um, Cali did win 35-18, to but I know it's a lot closer than Cali would have liked. Um, to be fair, I won't make really any extra comments about what I know from this game, other than obviously Kansas City is... Better than what their record says, but at the same time, I mean, to be fair, yeah, not a lot of their, all their scores have been within some, I mean, with the exception of the first St. Louis game being 20 points, everything else has been close. Um, you know, obviously, if they manage to give Cali a hard time, who is used to 
56 to nothing, 53 to nothing, 56 to 7, 44 to nothing. You know, if they're used to these blowouts, it's very interesting to see how that plays out. Let's be honest. See how that plays out in the Mazzies. Because, um, yes, that would have been the toughest game Cali would have played all season. But uh, keeping my opinions to myself on that one, it, it'll. Uh, let's see how this plays out. Ventura Wolfpack took on the Inland Empire Ravens, and I actually thought, I'm not going to lie, I thought Ventura was going to take it. I really did. Um, I thought technically they were stronger the two, but uh, I was wrong. Inland Empire ended up winning that one 31 to nothing. So, obviously Inland had Ventura's number figured out in film, and uh, it just kind of went Inland's way, and they ended up taking the victory. New York Wolves took on the New York Knockout. This game was actually very close till towards the end. Uh, Wolves did come out on top 23 to nothing. Um, but again, that's not bad in my opinion. You know, the Knockout, despite being 1-5, have been keeping their games relatively reasonable. It is a hard way to end their season. Um, they filled their schedule, so that does suck to lose. But... At the same time, you didn't lose by, you know, 60 to nothing, I guess you could say. Wolves still have two more games, so it'll be interesting to see how they play those out. But, uh, yeah, the Wolves still came out on top over the knockout. Iowa Phoenix took on the Minnesota Vixen. I thought maybe Iowa could do something. Vixen ended up winning that game 59 to nothing. And then finally... Technically, it was Roswell taking on... I don't even know what the Roswell team is anymore. was supposed to take on Rio Grande Heat. Forfeit. Rio Grande gets the 2-0 victory. Before I kind of get into it, I know I was going to say something about, you know, the the WFA playoffs. Um, As I said before, with the bylaws, it's a little interesting and the rule book about playoffs because when you look at if I can find it when you look at the bracket I mean division three kind of gets screwed in the fact that we lose an entire round so that really cuts it down because the Mazzies are going to screw some teams over not going to lie there um when you look at the division two Oh, it has been updated. Okay. It has been updated accordingly because it is very interesting to see how this all plays out because with the pack um, Pacific Conference number or Pacific number two out now, it was like how are they going to fit it in? And I see that they're putting AC number four, which is still interesting. But uh, okay, so that kind of changes a little, a few things. But you know, I still Division three used to have an extra round and that kind of helped set this up considering that almost every single team in this league seems to be Division three now um, it did give you a few more teams options now it's just looking like the same old shit and it's you, we're going to see teams be very angry about this um, you know I'm kind of I'm commenting slightly in this Back. Not as not as a player and as a coach, but I'm commenting from a media perspective. You can't have all these extra divisions. You can't have it on the initial schedule and then suddenly release a bracket that doesn't even match it. 
Um, it would have been nice to have known that, you know, and said, hey, we had changes instead of just assuming everybody was going to be okay with it because there were a lot of teams planning on, okay, we're within that mark, we can make that first round, we can fight our way through, and we can be there. Now it's going to be the Mazzies determining who takes that, and it's going to come from the same area. And it's for a lot of people, for a lot of for who I've talked to, you know, the uncertainty is what pisses them off the most about the sport. And the rules always change. And this doesn't seem to be any different. So, just as a media person, I am a little disconcerned. I am, well, I am concerned that the third round, the extra round for Division Three, wasn't added. Um, and the fact that we're packing all of these games... June 15th, we have some games June 16th, which is weird. Um, June 29th has then semi-final, our finals. And then we have our division games, you know, July 12th for D3, July 13th, July 13th, and probably the All-Star game on the 14th. So, um, it's exhausting figuring out the playoffs thing. I know, I know it's exhausting even from picking them, but... Sometimes I think a little bit of transparency would come in handy for some of these. And uh, not relying on a computer that shouldn't even be used in the first place. My opinion, I guess. Um, would have helped in setting this up. But anyway. On the USWFL side of things, hopefully they've updated their schedule. I doubt it. Um... Hey, what do you know? We have an update. All right. So, I wasn't sure because sometimes they don't have it updated by the time this show gets recorded. But um, they had three games this weekend. So, looking at the Tri-Cities Thunder at Fayetteville, Fayetteville Fierce. I thought this game would be a much bigger blowout. Granted, every single one of these games had blowouts, unfortunately. Which says a lot to women's tackle football nowadays. But um, it was definitely a little closer than maybe Tri Cities would have liked. They did win 34 to nothing, but it was only 34. That didn't quite go out the way Tri Cities wanted. They're used to at least 60 or, you know, close to that. Um, but Fayetteville has been holding teams quite low, so that is a good thing. It says a lot to Fayetteville's strength. Hampton Roads took on West Virginia Wildfire. This game was a huge blowout, 70 to nothing. And then finally, the Washington Prodigy took on the DMV Knights. This game I am very surprised in because I know I said I expected Washington to just run away with this. Um, when these two last saw each other... Actually, these two have not saw, seen each other, so that says a lot. But um, I thought this was just going to be one of those games that was just going to be painful towards DMV Knights. In fact, it was actually probably painful for Washington to only win the game 28 to nothing. So, it says a lot about the DMV Knights with their small numbers. They clearly have a strength here. It's just being able to get that victory will be very interesting as the season progresses. Um, they've got a couple more games here and hopefully when they have their rematch against Washington in, on June, June 8th, it'll be interesting seeing how that plays out. If we have a repeat or if they may be able to do the upset. 
Um, there's always hope. There is always hope. But still, one of those, the for them to hold Washington to under 30 is quite a feat on its own. And then finally, the WNFC, which I had their stuff up. Now I gotta get it again. I've, that's the one thing about doing this on some of these places is the locations, trying to find them. Um, already kind of getting an idea what their playoffs look like. Beyond that, it's kind of one of those interesting things. It's not the best to comment on. Well, I'm sitting here waiting, trying to figure out where these scores are because I don't have them written down for the first time in weeks. Um, it is very interesting to see how this played out. I can't even guarantee all the games are here. Um, yeah, not all the games are here. I have three of the five. But um, at least I can give you three of them <laughs> for sure. But uh, San Diego Rebellion took on the Los Angeles Bobcats. This game, I actually did think the Bobcats were going to win, but clearly Rebellion had been watching film and figured them out and won 13-6. to So that is a very close game. I know the Bobcats aren't happy about it. Puts them kind of even or slightly just above 500. It puts San Diego pretty close to that. So now we're starting to get some interesting stuff in the middle to see how that plays out for their season. Texas Elite Spartans took on the Atlanta Phoenix. This one I'm not sure because I have seen multiple versions of the score. I see 45 to 7 on score stream, but I have seen Texas Elite say 54 to 7. So I'm not entirely sure. Either way, Texas Elite won this game. Um, but I'm still not entirely sure what the actual score is on this game. I have to rely on whatever these teams say, which is kind of depressing and sad at the same time. Utah Falcons took on the Nebraska Nighthawks. That game ended up going to Utah 48 to nothing. Now, if I go back here, look at the schedule, if I can. Their website's wonky. Um... 18th, there we go, week 7 for them. I still have to find the Las Vegas game and the North Florida game. I do know Alabama Fire did win the North Florida game. And I can I know I can find that up on Facebook real quick. Nothing like having to do this show on, on the fly. But, uh, it happens. Um, welcome to a live show. Well, live recorded at least. Looking at how the game went for them. It's actually not that hard to just click on the audio and the video for it. But, um, you know, obviously probably went better than... It wasn't ex exactly ideal for what they would have wanted. Um... Go away, a little update. It looked like the score ended up being relatively close to, you know, 38-13. It all depended on if Pumas actually had made their field goal, which it hadn't made at the end, so it failed. And, 
you know, obviously a lot of people could watch that game, but I do know the final score was 38-13 to Alabama Fire. So we do have that score there. And, uh, you know, obviously Alabama had their film figured out on, on North Florida. It is kind of sad to see that that happened. But, you know, say la guerre, to be honest, you know. It, welcome to Women's Tackle Football. You never know what's going to happen most of the time. Now, for the Denver Bandits at the Las Vegas Silver Stars, I'm trying to look up the score right now. It was 30-6, to according to Denver Bandits. Um, I'm actually kind of not surprised, but at the same time, maybe I, I thought maybe Silver Stars could be do a little more. Um... Somebody else did say, I thought Vegas had 8 points, so it does kind of get a little interesting beyond that. Um, So again, this is where the inconsistency of scores comes in. Because I'm going to be honest, I'm going to look up and see... I want to look up and see on the Texas game if the scores were inconsistent for what I found. Which says a lot right now because, you know, I'm finding out that a lot of teams don't even have their own rule book. You know, we're being told we have these, that they use certain rules, but at the same time, we can't clarify, justify it. So, um, and this isn't a dig at the league. This is actually a dig at the front office for them to actually do their job and do what's right. Doesn't look like Atlanta Phoenix is going to post anything, so... Looking at Texas's page. Help if I could spell. That would really help greatly. Um, I mean, I thought of very, I, I, to be honest, I've th- always thought it was very interesting to see how some of the circumstances play out. Um, not much. Okay, 45-7 to 7 is what Texas is saying. So, okay, that might be a little consistent with what I'm seeing. But maybe it was a mistake on Twitter because I've seen something else. So, it, it still is the consistency piece. And every league needs to do that. You know, the fact that we only can see three games at a time, maybe four, and always the games left out on the WNFC website is ridiculous. The fact that, you know, ScoreStream only keeps track of a handful. You know, if you're the WFA is just as guilty of this. If we're if the, if it's required, put it in your bylaws. If it's, you know, if your rule book is a is a certain way, make sure that it's up to date. I've been saying this for a while now. Um all all four leagues are kind of guilty of this that I cover. So, you know, it'd be interesting for consistency and kind of everybody to step up. You know, since we're going to play the fairness game here, and I'm going to have to, um, every one of these leagues needs to step up their game somewhere. But that also means the community needs to step up their game too, because as I had said before in a post online, you know, it's all great that these news organizations will say that they're partnering with a women's tackle football team and helping them out. But that means you've actually got to put the content that you filmed on your website. 
and on your social media. You know, you've got to post it up there right next to the story about the the family that lost the puppy in a rainstorm and found it a week later. You know, you still have to show them the same respect you give the men's sports. That's not going through and posting this on some random journalist who only works on the weekends or is kind of a junior journalist on their random Facebook page. And then there's no way to actually get the full clip. You know, to be honest, from a media perspective, it would have been great to have truly heard what KEZI had to say after their feature of the Oregon Hawks, but couldn't hear it because I was in... I was at a event, but also, you know, it would have been nice to have seen that on the website. It would have gotten them more people connect, like, viewing them. It would have helped the team out. You know, the DC one, oh, yeah, the Hail Mary's on there, but where's the consistency? Is it on the website? Is it on that local news's website? Odds are it's not. Um, and I think the face value really has to stop. And I feel like every week I have something new and then I don't because this is obviously an ongoing thing. I have said many times, you don't think women's sports are viable or important, but you don't give them the time of day. It's a double-edged sword. Women's sports can't be profitable unless they're seen on TV, but they can't be seen on TV unless they're profitable. So we have no win-win here. But If a place, as I've said before, if a place is going to take the time to say that they sponsor it, don't do it in name only. Don't do it as a discount. You know, I've had a conversation with many people about this, about how, you know, a sponsorship is actually having your name on something and you're asking this individual to promote you. You know, when when I had the sponsorship for Yelfi... It was a true sponsorship. Now, I do it as a courtesy because I enjoy using that app. But it's not just because they're not on there for the sake of, you know, they don't claim, oh, we sponsor this podcast anymore. They don't claim that. That's fine. They just know that I will promote them. But when you see, like, oh, Adidas, the official sponsor of the WNFC, then why are the players still having to buy stuff? Why why is Rydell why are the players still having to buy their Rydell helmets? You know, was it provided free of charge to them? That's a sponsorship. You know, with the WFA, they have Zenith. Well, where are the Zenith helmets that are being provided to every team? Otherwise, oh well we gave you a forty percent discount. That's not a sponsorship. That's a discount. There's a difference here. A sponsorship is when you actually are willing to either lose money or put money forward to promote something else. My production company, Weevil Productions, sponsored a women's tackle football team this year. Not going to lie. Sponsored it. I didn't make any money off of it. That's fine. Let's be honest. I didn't, no, didn't make any money. And I'm cool with that. But I made the agreement that I would handle their media, and I did. So, you know, that's how it works. Not always is a sponsorship profitable. Not always. Generally, it's never profitable. But at the same time, 
it isn't about the company. They want their name out. They've got to be able to help those that want them. And I think a lot of these big name companies need to stop playing this. Well, you know, we don't see them as profitable or reasonable. And actually, I don't know, get to know what they're doing. Because they have no problem throwing money at something that doesn't exist on the men's sports side. But women have to prove themselves. And I think that's the ridiculous part about it all. The fact that women have to prove themselves and can be around for countless years and still not be viewed as viable, but something that didn't even exist got money. And yes, I was meaning the Alliance. The Alliance hadn't even existed, and a year prior, they had a TV deal already made for them. They had money already thrown at them. They had coaches already scheduled, like, set up. They didn't even have a business model, let alone what they ended up with. Now, granted, they did die because the NFL did choke their money out, but that's for a different topic. But um, still, you know, we look at the XFL. Vince doesn't have anything in place. We don't have solid information, let alone a business plan. And yet, he has a con- he has a TV contract deal. He has all this money set aside. He's hiring coaches left and right. They don't even have facilities or home fields or anything set up publicly. Which says a lot. And yet, women's sports aren't viable. They're not important enough. They don't, you know, that kind of shit has to stop. And it starts locally, you know. You don't think that there isn't a little girl watching the news that wants to... is tired of seeing men's sports. You know, think about how many times, especially women that listen to this podcast, think about how many times you were told you couldn't do something because, oh, that's for the boys. Think of everything you've done in your life and told, well, that's not ladylike. Fuck that. And I'm going to be explicit about that. Fuck that. You know, I'll give you a little piece of information. I was told... Outside of sports, you know, I was told that I I should never play trombone because it's not a girl's instrument. It, it's always boys. It's always men because their arms are long enough. Women don't have long enough arms. Yeah, well, I ended up playing trombone. So what? I still play trombone. Even with a bad back and bad arms. So what? I didn't give a rat's ass. I still played. And the fact that they told me no made me want to play it even more. You know, I wanted to play football in middle school. I was told no. Fast forward to college, and I played for eight years. So what? You know, in high school, wanted to play lacrosse. I didn't want to play girls lacrosse because I didn't want to have to deal with that crap. So I played boys lacrosse. I had a individual in charge of the athletic department try to say that the Title IX didn't apply, even though we had no women's team. We had no girls' team. I still got to play in the men's team until the girls' team got set up. Why? Because he told me I couldn't. I had no one to look up to. To be honest, when I played lacrosse, my idol was Dallas Eliuk. One of the best goalies 
of lacrosse, of modern lacrosse. Now, granted, he did finish his career in box lacrosse, but he was still a goalie. And seeing that I had played goalie at the time, I actually got to meet him. I had training advice from him. That, to me, meant a lot. But I had no women to look up to. I can't name you one female goalie in lacrosse. One. Other than myself, I can't name you any. Why? Because we don't get the recognition. I play football. I can name number, like countless numbers of women. Why? Because I've either played with them, played against them, or have shared a field with them. But I can tell you right now, there's a lot of children out there who can't name them. But they can name you one male player off top of their head, no problem. And I'm meaning girls. And we've got to accept the fact that if we want, you know, we got to stop playing this wounded bird circumstance of, well, you know, nobody knows who we are. Then make sure they know who you are. The news doesn't want to really give you proper, use your social media. You know, make the news know learn who you are. Get out there and step up. Make sure the community knows who you are. Be at fundraisers. Be at events. Work with the local college team. Work with the NFL team if it's in your area. There's 32 teams around this country. You can't tell me that there are not women's tackle football teams who could not get access to those teams. And in some cases, there's multiple teams that could get access. Don't wait for them to come to you. You go to them. Us waiting for the big chance to happen is never going to happen. That's what we've been doing is waiting for that big moment. No, we want to see the WNFL happen. We need to make it happen. We can't be begging the NFL with their own problems, and I will be getting to that in a second, with their own problems, to have them come help us. Uh Uh-uh. That's how I know a lot of damn women in this league that that's not how it works. You don't beg anybody. You don't beg a man to help you do your job. So why do we as a sport have to beg men to help us? No, we go out and make the sport our own and let people know women's tackle football takes no prisoners. And that means media, we want you there. We need you there to do this. Newspapers. Get on their case. That also means maybe investing your own money that some of these teams have been charging players thousands of dollars every season. For what? For what? Oh, we got to pay for this, this, and this. It shouldn't be, that should be, yeah, first season I understand, but after that it shouldn't be any thousand dollars after that for the same old shit. That's something I've never understood. You know, when I look at my career... If you figure out everything I have spent, I've easily spent maybe, and that's not including travel because that's, yeah, that's a whole nother argument, but just in fees alone, probably easily $8,000. And that's not including the equipment I bought. That's not including all the, the gas that I spent to drive, to go to practice, you know, the money spent to... Make sure I had everything I needed. Just so I could do football. Over $8,000 at least. That's a thousand bucks a season. Where did that money go? 
Granted, yes, $2,000 to rent a field per game. Okay. That's only taken care of with a couple people. Um, you know, you just say you have these sponsorships. Never saw it. You know, so some of these teams, we, we punish these teams in the sense of, well, you know, if this team would step up and do this, that's great, but, you know, not every team has thousands of dollars in the bank to do that. Not every team has the smarts, I guess, and I'm meaning this in an, uh, I'm not meaning this as a degrading way. I'm meaning this is the, they're just not good business people to handle going, hey, I've got a big company in my area. Let's get a business plan. Let's meet up with them. Let's get this going. Let's do this, this, and this. You know, Portland should have been able to get Nike to do a lot more than just a discount on uniforms. Baltimore should be able to do a lot more than just maybe hope to hell that Under Armour gets involved. You know, every team that is in the shadow of an NFL team should be constantly on their case. Make sure that those owners know who you are. And I'm not meaning by, well, yeah, I saw you in the paper. No, make sure they know who you are. Make sure that they, when they see that email, they're like, oh, what's so-and-so got to say today? You know, be a thorn in their side. Just as I'm a thorn in everyone's side with this show. And the more and more I keep thinking about it, yes, last show I was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to take it away. You know, I might take it away. I've kind of reached that point where maybe, no, I'm not going to go away. Format might change, but I'm not going away. Why? Because somebody's got to be able to speak up about this. And nobody else wants to take the time to speak out. Might as well be me. I got nothing to lose. Really. Show doesn't make me any money, so I got nothing to lose. My reputation? Nobody listens to me. Except for the handful of people, and I appreciate you. But I must say right now, I keep it real. Everybody knows I keep it real. And that's what it takes. If that's what it's going to take on the forefront, then that's what we got to do. You can ask any one of the people that I personally speak to constantly. One of my faults, I'm brutally honest. If I have to be, I will be brutally honest. This show's no different. I've called out commissioners. I have called out individuals. I have called out leagues. Men or women's leagues. Doesn't matter. I'll call out, I, I, I've called out IFAF. You know, our governing body of women's tackle fo- or of football period in this world. I've called them out. I have no problem calling out local media. I have no problem calling out other te- groups that call, cover women's tackle football. I have no problem. Because I know they have no problem calling me out on stuff. No, it's fine. Since I'm on the subject of calling out things, two things I've noticed today. Division three football. We saw St. Thomas was kicked out of the Michigan Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, which is a Division three school, um, Division three conference. They were kicked out because they were too good. I feel like there was a bit more 
that we're not hearing, but it does beg the question on the college level, are they going to move up to D2 because they're so good, or are they going to remain as a D3 independent and nobody wants to play them, thus starving their football program, you know? For a D3 to be consistent like that says a lot. For a D3 that spends, and they said they spent $1.1 million a season on their team, that's pretty impressive for them to have the money to do it. You know, obviously they're able to get some of the best D3 players out there. I feel like there's more to that story, but at the same time, I'm not surprised with the way college football set up. And it'll be interesting to see, even though I doubt the NCAA will do anything involved with it, because it seems like D2 and D3 are just the stepchildren that they don't want. Um, it'll be interesting to see going forward how that plays out. And how the NCAA will step in and say, hey, that's not okay. Because if we did the same thing in Division One, you know how many teams wouldn't be in a league? Pac-12 would be down to, like, Oregon State and Colorado. Like, <laughs> I mean, if we, if we kicked out every team that was too good. I mean, USC would have been gone out years ago. Notre Dame would have never been allowed to play college football for a while. You know, at this point, the SEC would have to go and be its own thing, even though at this point they technically are, you know, like, it doesn't add up on this, and it'd be interesting to see, is St., I don't know if St. Thomas and HBCU, because that may play a role in it too, I know I'm probably stirring the pot here, but I know they're a private school, so, um, this is very interesting to see how this plays out for them, and then the other group I want to call out is NFL, obviously, because of a comment that was made on a number of things. Yes, they just introduced a new committee to take care of mental health, which I kept saying, you know, kept saying to myself all yesterday and the day before, of, well, if you uh, had taken concussion protocol serious beforehand, you wouldn't be dealing with this. Um, kind of spins into, and this brought up a very good question by MMQB from Sports Illustrated on, are you going to stop testing players for use of weed because they kind of go hand in hand um you know the NFL's performance enhancement substances and substance abuse policy PEZ and SOA have been very 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 harsh when it comes to the use of of weed um if a player has been caught in a drug test using cannabis, they don't go through the tier system of 4, 6, and 10. Or, excuse me, 4, 10, and season. Um, they go through 10, season, career over. And in some cases, they'll just end in their career, depending on who it is. And the reason why I'm paying attention to this is because Chris Long had admitted that he used cannabis throughout his entire season. And was never hit for it. He was never hit for a Pez policy violation. I know that. He was hit for other things, but he wasn't hit for a Pez violation. Because he would have been automatic 10-game suspension the first time. And then would have been out by the third time. Actually, would have been out probably within the second time. Because the league doesn't likes to skip steps, it seems, when it comes to players that smoke cannabis. But, it brought up kind of a comment that I've been making, you know... The NFL likes to 
do one thing for women or for white players, but another thing for black players. And that's got to stop. You know, okay, Chris Long admits using weed and yet nothing happened to him. But yet we have players that use, you know, black players use weed and all of a sudden we don't hear from them again. And I think that's got to stop. And I apologize for the noise in the background. It seems my cat has not understood the concept of I don't want him in the house right now. So he's climbing the window. That's all that noise is in the background. Lovely. But um, I digress. On the NFL side of things, and I've said this many times, it's like their policies only target certain people. You know, I thought it was very interesting. How does your random system, you know, last year when Eric Reed was drug tested for 13 out of 17 games, you know, oh, it was random. Uh-huh. You know, the likelihood of that being random is so difficult. I remember doing the stat on it. It was like, for somebody to have been tested every, almost every single week, like 75% of the season that he played, he was tested. And the likelihood of that happening was like 1% or something like that out of the entire league. The entire damn league. For him to be, oh, random. Bullshit. You know, Bullshit. They wanted to harass him so that they could potentially make the lawsuit go away that they settled out of court. You know, so this, I kind of hope, would think that, you know, maybe some of these players, especially the ones that had lost their careers due to, you know, being kicked out from the Pez policy because of smoking weed, would sue the league. And I'm saying that from... A journalist perspective, they have every right to sue the league because especially if they were in states where it's legal and they were using it for, you know, their concussions or whatever. But I have no problem leaving players that have been using opiates. You know, players that were using oxycodone and ended up like going crazy and leaving the league, you know, um, being drug addicts because of it, because the league there had a you, you remember the story last year where the league had a problem of uh, players you know, being opiate addicts? Hmm. I wonder where that came from. And yet the test policy never took care of that. Never even looked at it. Yeah, this says a lot. Says a lot about this league. And I'm going to flat out say, you know, careful, NFL. Your racism is showing more. Yeah, I said it. I said it. You've already been proving this for a while. Because I've been saying this for a long time. Had it been a white player that kneeled the same way Kaepernick did in his peaceful protest, the Shield would have been jumping all over themselves to figure out what's going on. But because a black player did it, they didn't give a rat's ass. Instead, they blackballed him, kept him out of the league, and then settled out of court acting like we wouldn't remember what happened. Sorry, but some of us do have a long memory when it comes to this shit. I know I do. I remember how you guys totally messed up on the whole Ray Rice situation and came up with the personnel conduct policy, which has still got flaws. And you created on the fly thinking, oh, that's going to be okay, even though it's a violation of your own collective bargaining agreement. You know how you write that? You bring players in. You bring, you bring player representatives from every team. You bring in a coach from every team. You bring in the GMs from every team and owners from every team. And you sit with the front office and you work on it together. That's how you write it. 
Just as technically that's how you're supposed to write your collective bargaining agreement. But we'll see how that goes too. Obviously, with having a day off, uh, it's given me a lot of time to kind of dwell on this and a lot of stuff that I needed to say. But I kind of feel like maybe this is how the show needs to go. Where I kind of have those little real talk moments where, yeah, I'm going to call out some stuff. And I'm actually thinking about bringing my coverage of the NFL back just so I can rip into them. Because obviously, that's a league that I know they're going to, you know, they always play that, well, any news is good news. No, you know, when enough of us finally say, this shit's got to stop, look what it did to them last year. Lowest ratings, they weren't making money. They really did anything and everything they could to make themselves look good, and it wasn't working. Social media killed them. Because we were not backing down. And I think they need to remember, you know, it ain't going to go away just because the season went away. You guys have a collective bargaining agreement going down. You know, you ultimately, it could be the reason why IFAF's having its problems. I know they're the reason why the Olympics won't look at tackle football. So, it is something that I'm milling it around because it would give me content for next year, that's for sure. But, um, or for the offseason, I should say. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not letting some of this stuff slide. I'm, I'm done playing the nice, you know, I'm done playing the nice coach here. It's time to take the gloves off and maybe say, that's it. Because if nobody steps up and says something, it's going to keep continuing. And I personally am tired of it. I'm personally tired of seeing the same thing for the last decade. And if I have to be the one to stand on that soapbox and keep yelling until somebody else goes, hey, you're right, I'll do it. And I'm doing it. You have been listening to Four Point Stance Women's Tackle Football Talk on Anchor and a number of a lot of other places. Twitter, Yelp, iMixCloud, and Facebook. If you want to get to your favorite podcast location, go to anchor.fm slash the number 4PT Stance. If your favorite podcast location is not on there, please request it and Anchor will get it set up. Or you can go to MixCloud and you can find the show in the search bar, the number, f- or excuse me, Four Point Stance all written out. Or just look up Coach Ash and you can find it from there. You can go to Yelfi, catch the show in the number 4PT Stance. Or me, W34VI1. You can go to Twitter and join the forum because I know the forum's going to fly off on this one. The number 4 underscore PT underscore Stance. And then you can follow me directly, W34VI1. And you can catch the show on the official Facebook page, the production website page at W34VI1 Productions, and catch it from there. And as a reminder, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, available 24-7, every day of the year, 1-800-273-8255.